Welcome to episode 199 of the Rugby League Republic podcast with your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. In this episode of the podcast, we discuss the NRL versus concussion, Ricky versus netball, our views on the magic round, and much, much more. Join us as we build the rugby league community for all. The Rugby League Republic podcast starts right now. Welcome to episode 199 of the Rugby League Republic podcast, where we aim to bring you the everyday fans' perspective on the greatest game of all, Rugby League. This is Rugby League for the people. I'm your co-host, Dr. T. Joining me is Tish. Tish, we are approaching the big 200. How are Uh, you going this week? Abracadabra. Woohoo! Like I don't know. Yeah, I'm doing well after a uh, after a uh, what's it a, a crazy magic round. Um, lots to talk about about magic round. But look, I'm pumped for 200. You know, um, you know, like I thought it was a, a huge feat for a podcast to get to 200 episodes. Um, you know, uh, you know, in the NRL, there's been a ton of players that have gone past 200, but it's good to certainly uh, get to 200. And I'm sure, I'm sure we're gonna have a big show next week, but we're also gonna have a huge show this week. Uh, how about you, something, Doctor T? Yeah, look, I'm surprised we got past two episodes, let alone almost 200, but (laughs) that just goes to show how much we've got to say about the game of rugby league. Mm. Uh, And, you know, look, we wouldn't wouldn't be doing this if it wasn't for the people out there listening and, uh, you know, giving us your feedback and enjoying. Hopefully there's there's quite a few of you out there. So thank you very much. And all around the world, by the way, it's not just in Australia. I know we're focusing on NRL because – it's uh, it's it's here. It's our home one. It's our home kind of competition. But uh, really, it's great to hear and see that we've got people from all around the world that listen to us. So hopefully, there's a little bit in in this for you as well. Uh, but yeah, as you said, Tish, we've got a huge one next week. Two hundred. We've got a few ideas uh, lined up for what we're going to do to celebrate and uh, and to commemorate our. Um, our past 200 episodes so that's going to yeah. be a really big one but as you said rugby league uh, we're never short of topics to talk about <laughs> mm. regardless of uh, we don't have to have a special edition because there's always something big every episode there's just so much that we have to you know uh, decide to put in or not put in and there's a lot going on so look what? without any further ado I'll leave, I'll leave you with the last word and then we'll move on to the news. Well, before we go on, I, I'm going to throw out a freebie for our 200. I'm going to I'm going to give you a special number uh, that uh, you know because we're doing a whole bunch of statistics. That number is zero, Doctor T. What do you think zero means in the world of the Rugby League Republic? Well, it it means it doesn't mean love like in tennis, does it? <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> zero in the Rugby League Republic is a number of episodes we've done where we have stayed under our time limit, <laughs> right? <laughs> so it's been a humongous episode of Rugby League Republic, and uh, we, we always seem to have too much to talk about. But um, I think with that said, we'll, let's get into the news. 
Yeah, and we're going to do a 200-minute episode. No, we're not. We're not going to do that next week. <laughs> let's not do that. All right, let's get into our six tackles. Here we go. Tackle number one, the news update. So, uh, what's happening? Well, let's. There's quite a quite a bit happening in the world of rugby league, and one I think one topic we're going to talk about soon. But what's what's the uh, the what's the lowdown on the crackdown? Oh, look, Doctor T. As as everybody has been talking about it the last couple of days after the Magic Round, you know, a Magic Round was such a big hyped event. You know, uh, it's kind of like uh, you know all. all all eyes in Australia are, are glued to, to the Magic Round. So the NRL decide that this is the round. Um, so the ARL Rugby League Commission, Chairman Peter Vlanders, he's, he's actually been fired up, you know, in defence of the sudden crackdown they had on the Magic uh, Round to eradicate high contact from Rugby League once and for all. So in the Magic Round, you know, uh, 14 sin bins, Right over across the sixteen games, three send offs. So to give you any idea, a few weeks ago, um, there was a St George player who was sent off, um, and he was the first player since two thousand and fifteen to be sent off. Now a few weeks later, uh, you had three send offs in the first round, and twenty five players placed on a, a report. This zero tolerance crackdown was met with mixed views from NRL supporters, coaches, and players, um, and they decided to do it magic uh, at magic round. Dr. T, you saw the carnage unfold. Um, you know, there was like, uh, it was 12 on 13 for most of the magic round, it felt like. What were your thoughts on, on this major crackdown happening, you know, in the middle of, uh, of magic round? Well, I mean, look, look, at, at the end of the day, it's it's got to happen at some point. I don't know what, mm. why, um, why, you know, what was the reasoning behind, like, why now? Mm. Um, the way I look at it, look, what are we complaining about? And it's like you, <laughs> the we know there's a problem. We're going to talk about this later anyway around yeah, yeah, concussion and things like that. There's a reason for it. I don't know why it happened now, but really, like, it's not like as if they all of a sudden changed the goalpost and made up a new rule and said, all right, boys, we know you, we've let you get away with it for three decades, but, you know, no more high tackles. Well, the rule's always been there. If you mm. if you hit someone high, you get penalised. Really what's happening is the punishment meted out to players. It used to be just reporting. And I think what's the reason why – see, here's the thing. At the moment, we're thinking of this as a crackdown. I look at it as, as a correction of what was too lenient mm. in the past. If we're serious about things like concussions and head-high tackles, then – these punishment send-offs or whatever, I mean, look, maybe let me go back to the 90s as the golden era. You used to have send-offs all the time. You know, anytime these, you know, who who can forget the classic um, coat hangers of Terry Lamb, Steve Roach, you know, players like that. John, yeah, and, and um, Trevor Gilmister, you know, all these players, David Gillespie, you know. There's, there's so many of these players that um, used to do this all the time. And guess what? They got sent off. It's not. They didn't just get placed on report, which is the equivalent of a slap on the wrist. Um, the way I look at it, it's a correction. I don't know why it took so long for them to kind of realise that, um, you know, the players had... Look, 
this goes hand in hand with other things, which includes players disrespecting referees mm. and all that kind of stuff. Back in our day, <laughs> I sound like an old, you know, get off my lawn and back in my day, you know, the players, look, the referees had more of a, you know, players, uh, referees like Bill Harrigan, whatever, they had more of an authority on on matches than what we see now. Instead, part of the problem with the referees as well, not having control over players, the competence is probably not as good as what it used to be. We've got all these questions about the bunker and this poor decisions, blah, blah, blah. In the past, it just would have been, you know, bad luck. Um, it, that's it. So part of that has to do with the players getting the leniency and, and getting away, getting away with it too much. So I think that's, I think that's what this is. It's just a correction of where it should be. Um, if we're seeing more send-offs or whatever, I guess the question is, why weren't we seeing more before? Um, are the players acting out more? Are they doing more high tackles now? I don't think so. I don't think it's more of a, a, a game that's as rough as it was, say, 20 years ago. I just think they, they're getting away with it a lot more. Simple as that. What about you? What's your thoughts? Yeah, look, um, I heard the term, uh, is this an overcorrection? And then I thought, isn't this bad English? Because how can you overcorrect something? Like, um, you know, it's either correct or incorrect, right? Like, um, I think it's an absolute. I don't know. If you can... Anyway, but grammar aside. <laughs> like, it's, you know, it's an over. Yeah, I see what you mean. I see what yeah, you yeah. mean. Yeah, People throw points. But, but like, um, yeah, look, I, I think uh, we'll, get, we'll get more into the story behind this because uh, I think, to be honest, I think there's a lot of uh, – misreporting and then people are blowing up after a supposed uh, lack of warning but uh, that's actually not the case at all um, and I've heard some really break, uh, breakdowns on it at the end of the day uh, you know the NRL has been saying for a long time that player welfare is you know paramount to what they're trying to achieve so if they're serious about player welfare then you got to have harsher penalties for head high tackles if it's not, you know, if 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 uh, people are continually disobeying the rules, and the fact is, if um, you know, if you have uh, as many incidences as I read out, you know, fourteen tin bins, three send-offs, twenty-five, you know, placed on report, all head-high tackles. I mean, that's way too much in one round of rugby league, you know. Um, so so you know, the referees aren't <laughs> the referees cannot sin bin if you don't head high, right? You know, if um, <laughs> that's right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so they didn't make it up. They didn't make it up. They're not yeah. false positives. <laughs> yeah, this is this is exactly right. This is not yeah. like a faulty metal detector or something. This is just like an observation of exactly what you did. So um, yeah, a, a bit crazy. Um, and uh, you know, I suppose, you know, resistance to change is probably the main thing that people are sort of going on about and, and i find it weird that uh players themselves um don't have their safety in mind um that's that's really quite an interesting like you know uh attitude towards mm-hmm. um you know uh, the administration of the nrl like players themselves would just go against whatever the referees and and the nrl are trying to do even though it's actually f- in the end for your own safety like, uh, yeah, like, I guess I don't see it that way because I think it's it in, in, encroaches on their kind of freedom within in games or whatever, or or maybe they think that the 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 trigger, the threshold to get sent off is so sensitive that you know the slightest kind of accidental touch leads to a send off, and then 
in this day and age, and we're going to talk about this at one point in future, you know, the, the rules, the rules make it so difficult now with uh, all the blowouts that we're seeing in scores as well. And this just adds to it. So I think anytime someone thinks, you know, I could be disadvantaging my team because I accidentally hit someone in the head, wasn't, wasn't my fault, but all of a sudden I got sent off. Um, I guess I guess the point is, if things are accidental, then you won't see too many. These players won't really get many more weeks on the sideline, will they? But if they're kind of bad ones, and we did see a couple of bad ones this weekend, um, yeah. you know, are they well deserved? I mean, this is the thing: you can't have crackdown on the field if you don't have an, a, a a proportionate crackdown in off the field in the judiciary, you know. If all these players get sent off and then get let off completely, what's the point of that? There's no punishment except for in the game. So that's that's kind of it needs to be consistent so that if it really does eradicate that that kind of um, deli- especially the deliberate kind of head high tackles, um, and people will be more careful with the accidental ones too. Eventually, I think they'll get the message. So, look, you know. It's a bit of pain, but I think there's good gain uh, to be made if, um, you know, if they keep this up and, and don't don't kowtow to kind of pressure from yeah. uh, from people. I think let's see what happens because I think if you want to eradicate this kind of thing from the game, you need to get tough uh, on the field especially. So well done, PVL, for, uh, you know. It's he's uh he's acting a bit like a Trump character, isn't he? He's just like that's yeah. it. I'm going to do this, this, and this. You're fired. You know, like he's gonna he's really changing the game. But let's see, let's see if it's for the better. So, all right. So the next thing that's happening uh, in terms of news is well, there's obviously quite a lot of movement at the station mm. in terms of um uh recruitment, and we did talk about this one a while ago. In fact, last week, where is Adam Reynolds going to end up? And well. The decision has been made. Mm. He is following his current coach, Wayne Bennett, <laughs> back to the Broncos. No, no, I don't know. Look, but he's going to the Broncos on a three-year deal. So the South Sydney Rabbitohs were only going to offer him one year, and he said, stuff that. <laughs> he shopped himself around a bit, and, uh, you know, he was actually quite heavily chased by Cronulla Sharks. So there, was, there, was, there were rumours that he was going to end up, you know, a little bit further south than Redfern. But he ended up making a big decision to move up north to Brisbane. Um, big decision. What are your thoughts on this one? Well, um, I thought he was going to go to the Sharks. I thought it was a done deal. So the fact that he got to Brisbane uh, is kind of amazing. So, look, I think it's a big, big signing for the Broncos. Obviously, they're, they're second last at the moment. Um, you know, it's a rebuilding phase for the Broncos sort of thing. They've had so many players leave the club, and I think this is a bit of a turning point in the tenure of Kevin Walters. He's now got an organising half up there, somebody that you could build a team around. And look, for South Sydney fans and for South Sydney, um, it's a real, you know, it's kind of a real tragic story that this player who grew up in the area, has played South Sydney juniors all of his life, comes from a housing commission background, Right, and you know, was the Rabbitohs tragic through and through? Um, you know, it's kind of unwanted by his club. Is is basically how it is. Um, in favour of players who have joined the club, playing coming from elsewhere, um, seeking sort of 
big money deals on the Rabbitohs, you know? Like, uh, I think, I mean, I know... I don't know how much Reynolds uh, was originally getting offered from South Sydney, but I have a feeling he would have taken a bit of a, you know, a small, a lesser income than going to the Broncos if he could actually stay at South Sydney for a multi-year. So the way it's worked out, it is is a bit sad, but it is also the reality of the salary cap. For some reason, you don't see other clubs having to be forced to do these sort of things, but South Sydney have been forced to, so... Um, yeah, but really sad. But look, um, all the best with him at the Broncos, and I think it's a real good signing for the Broncos. And uh, look, the Sharks—they miss out. Um, they've been losing quite handily ever since they've sacked their coach, and uh, they're not able to get the job done when it comes to signing up new players as well. They've got a whole bunch of players leaving too. So uh, yeah, a lot of uh, you know, it's a, it's a, it's the wild. It's you know, there's a lot of teams in this sort of area, right? From you know, from from sixteen all the way up to like the top, you know, like even even teams in the top eight, uh, you know, they've got so many player uh, issues and changes happening in the moment. It's kind of quite crazy. Yeah, absolutely, and I think, um, well, it's going to be a, a radical shift in in uh, you know to have someone like Reynolds uh, shift over to the Broncos. Uh, there's already a few other kind of big signings that have moved moved around. Um, mm. You know, we've spoken about Coates to, to the Storm. There's um, there's a potential. I think I've, I've also heard, Vun, is Vunivalu maybe going to be offered uh, Brisbane Broncos wow. possible contract to come back from Rugby Union, which would be interesting, a Storm player going to Rugby Union and coming back to the Broncos. That will be very interesting. So, yeah, we'll keep you up to date on recruitment because uh, there's a lot happening here. Yeah. But look, the other the other thing that's oh, happening well, is oh, just just sorry. the last last thing on um yeah. Adam Reynolds. I just ha- thought about this. The last time Reynolds did not play for the Rabbitohs, they lost fifty nil to the Storm two weeks ago. So, uh, yeah, I don't know <laughs> if that was the smartest move, but yeah, moving moving right along. <laughs> That's right. Well, you know, and you did mention that it's kind of sad that it comes to this situation where someone who's a long-term loyal member of a team uh, has to be forced out because of, of the salary cap. This is very sad. But look, another thing that we don't see that often, again, because of salary cap and, and other kind of things is, is um, you know, things like, you know, fairy tale stories where we've got sort of mm. – uh, father and son kind of situation within the same club that that doesn't really happen as much anymore obviously the most famous example of that recently is the Clearies in Penrith um but um it doesn't always happen and and we certainly saw more examples of this in the past I believe but we saw one on the weekend well at least the start of one potentially uh Parramatta Eels my team uh Jacob Arthur who is uh Brad Arthur's son debuted in what was, well, you could consider it a dream debut in a magic round against the the Warriors, uh, magic round match against the Warriors. And not only did he play quite well, but he also scored scored a try, a pretty good one at that, and he set up another try uh, in their victory over the Warriors on Sunday. So well done, Jacob Arthur, um, who in his debut played really well. And I think most people would, would see when, in terms of, um, the the usual calls of nepotism and things like that would probably not not think of that in this situation because he did quite well and and he seems to have deserved his spot because uh, he certainly um, 
yeah, I mean, you could see the the joy in his teammates. Uh, you know, the way they celebrated his try with him just tells you a lot about about him and and uh, and the kind of um, support that he has around him. So, well done to Jacob Arthur and Brad Arthur, of course, his dad, the coach. And uh, he was very happy and very emotional afterwards as well. There was a few scenes that I saw on on uh, on, on the television, but also, yeah, um, well done. But yeah, Tish, any thoughts on this? Yeah, well, look, it is uh, good to see quite a lot of emotion you saw from Brad Arthur. He's, uh, you know, uh, breakdown and crying and, and hugging, and look, the whole Arthur family is, uh, you know, is is obviously celebrating the debut. And you know, I think, I think. Um, you know, uh, young Arthur, junior Arthur, I can't remember his, uh, he kind of, uh, you know, he was saying that it was a dream debut. So, um, you know, which is always a great start. So, um, and also, you know, uh, former, you know, the grandmother, former golden girl, B Arthur, um, you know, sending her <laughs> well wishes uh, from, from the, from the grave. Oh, from, okay. All right. <laughs> um, yeah, my condolences. Sorry about that. But, um, <laughs> But God, that was like two de- decades ago. Anyway, all right. Okay, all right. All right. Um, but look, well, yeah, look, uh, but but uh, yeah, it's great to see. You know, like yeah, as you said, we've got the clearies. Um, it didn't quite happen for the Cartwrights. Um, you know, kind of, uh, you know, kind of, kind of fizzled out. You had, you know, Wayne and Mitchell, um, sort of uh, playing for different clubs, so it didn't quite work out for that. You know, uh, I think the Roach kid went to uh, AFL. <laughs> So, oh, Gary Jackson. Gary, Gary, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Gary Jackson yeah, yeah, yeah. as well. Uh, you know, uh, you know, serious kids don't play for the Tigers. Um, so, yeah, so, so it doesn't happen quite often, really. So, um, yeah, that's right. And it's a rarity because the, because of the business kind of nature of the game yeah. as well. So, when, yeah, when, when Eric Rose the... Jr., I think. I think. Oh, yeah, that... Eric Rose Jr. Did, did play for the same. But, yeah, I mean, I guess in this situation, you've got the coach is, is you know, it's a coach as well as the the son playing rather than father playing in a different generation. So you do this is a bit of a rarity um, where you've got the coach who, well, in this case we've got the Arthur's and the Clearies uh, in in the league. Mm. I don't know if there's any other ones, but th- this is the Hatfield uh, and the McCoys, or uh. <laughs> I don't know. But look, the other thing I should mention is th- Jacob is spelt with a K, so J A K O B, and I thought. Look, here is an opportunity for him to gain the King nickname. It could be King Arthur. <laughs> but unfortunately, you can't have two Kings in the team because he's got King Gutherson there oh as well. Gosh. King Gutho. So there you go. So unfortunately, we're going to have to come up with a new name for Jacob Arthur, a new nickname. But there you go. But well done and congratulations. Let's move on to yeah. tackle number two, which is the last round review. Here we go. All right, so our quick fire review of the uh, the magic round, and let me just quickly go through the the scores. So the Tigers thirty six beating the Knights eighteen. The the Manly Warringah Seagulls fifty to six against the Broncos. The Raiders winning twenty to eighteen against the Bulldogs. The Rabbitohs thirty two to twenty two against the Sharks. The Roosters 30 to 16 against the Cowboys. The Eels 34 to 18 against the Warriors. The Storm 44 to 18 against the Dragons. And finally, the Panthers 48 to 12 against the Titans. 
And I should point out that Penrith uh, is a 10 zip to start wow. the season in the first 10 rounds. The I, I believe the last time a team did that was, I think it was in 2002, which was the Roosters where, surprise, surprise, Ivan Cleary was playing for the Roosters at that point. Wow. So I think that was the last time, uh, if I'm not mistaken, 2002. So a long time since that has happened where, the, the, um, where a team has started the season with 10-0, 10 wins and no losses. So well done, Panthers. On top of the table, clear clear favourites, uh, you know, at the top of the table, although you'd argue that Melbourne Storm is very close behind um, and also obviously the Eels there as well. So in terms of the highlight of the round, we're going to talk a little bit more about the Magic round later, but um, what was your highlight game uh, out of out of those ones that we just mentioned? Well, look, in terms of the games itself, um, just about everything was a blow, <laughs> blowout. Uh, <laughs> apart from uh, the Canberra Raiders and the Bulldogs, of all people. So um, the Bulldogs were actually leading, uh, leading with about, uh, you know, 20 minutes to go. Then uh, I think it was Papa Leahy uh, with one of the send-offs, and it was an absolute brutal one as well. That is a send-off in any era, um, yeah. and uh, yeah, and then and then uh, you know, but despite that send-off, you know, the Canberra they just were able to hold it all together and and end up, you know, coming over the top of the Bulldogs. So, you know, the Bulldogs they they kind of um, they did well, but they just they just couldn't they just couldn't finish, which is a bit concerning. But then, you know, the Raiders, um, I think they've uh, all you know curtailed. You know, five straight losses, I think it was, and now they're sort of, um, you know, maybe this is the catalyst to sort of begin a run. Uh, they're one of the teams that everybody thought would be towards the end, you know, towards the top of the ladder. Uh, they're sort of languishing. I think they're even outside the top eight at the moment. So, um, you know, a very important win for them. Uh, apart from that, I think just about every other game, you know, we, we go through, you know, I sort of go through this, you know, at the start of it, you know, people sort of go, well, you know, the the... You, you know the NRL sort of um, you know when they do the draw at the at the uh, at the start of the season they don't know which teams are going to be in the top eight which teams are going to be in the bottom eight and like I do get that but they do know which teams finished in the top eight last year and again you have a situation where there's very few matches where a uh, top eight team play, plays a uh, plays a, uh, you know, another top eight team from last year, you know. I think the Sharks and the Rabbitohs were the only one where that happened, and uh, that was one of the closer games, you know. So I think if you're going to have a marquee, um, you know, sort of round like the Magic round, I think you've got to do better than that when it comes to actually scheduling uh, teams playing each other. Like, I think you've got to go, okay, who in the what, – what, you know, two top eight teams from last year, which ones can we put together – for this round, I think they could have at least put more than just the one game, you know, in there. You know, maybe a a Melbourne versus Parramatta or a Melbourne versus, you know, um, you know, even a Melbourne versus Canberra or something like that. You know, like just to get the fans excited about the games. But uh, other than that, yeah, the Magic Round was a huge success. What about your thoughts, Doctor T? Um, yeah, I mean, I think this is the issue: is that you know, you you're bringing it to the the heartland in Brisbane. Suncorp Stadium, it's the kind of ideal place to have the the magic round. You know, it's a safe place in the sense that um, you know you're you're going to the home 
the home of rugby league in Queensland, and obviously um, that plays into the fact that you know it does look successful. A lot of fans and making a big weekend of it, which is great. The real success will lie, and we'll talk later about this. Whether what happens in the future, are they going to take it to other venues? Focusing on just the games, I would say, yeah, look, I actually thought the Raiders and the Bulldogs match towards the end there was quite exciting. The Bulldogs, um, you know, they were entitled to feel like they they, they they could have won that one and that would be a missed opportunity, I think, for Trent Barrett as coach. Um, but, yeah, that, that to me that was the one that I thought, yeah, it was almost a bit of an upset there. Um, but none of the other matches really sort of looked even close, to be honest, um, as this one did. So, yeah, very interesting that probably the – and I agree with you. I think they probably need to think about what kinds of matchups um, they can put together. There aren't too many of them that had, you know, massive rivalries or stories, mm. um, So, which is kind of disappointing because, you know – but then again, this is what this is all about. The Magic Round is really about – the spectacle and the the festival of having all the mm. games together and allowing fans to see multiple games and all that kind of thing. So, um, yeah. So and yeah, maybe they yeah. thought that the Magic Round is a bigger draw on its own without a blockbuster game. So maybe that's what it was. I, I think so. Yeah. So that's what they're probably parking those other games for uh, other parts of the season, other times. So, but yeah, look, I think um, I wasn't too. I, I was impressed. I thought. The Eels played well, but they, they do the typical, you know, um, slacking off a bit. <laughs> so they started off really well, and then they slacked off, and I thought, oh, oh no, this could actually be a bit of a game here. But um, mm. And then they sort of picked it up again. So, But, yeah, um, look, I think that's it. So let's move on to tackle number three. Here we go, Spotlight. So this week's spotlight is NRL versus concussion. Uh, we've kind of alluded to it earlier uh, with with some of the the, the crackdown on head high mm. tackles. Tish, do you want to take us through what led us to this? And uh, yeah, what's yeah. what's the issue? Well, look, I, I know our audience out there are all rugby league tragic. So you know, I think we've all sort of seen what people have been talking and reading about and writing about. And there's been this uh, sort of idea that's been going around that, you know, it was sprung on all the teams last minute, that nobody saw this coming, that this was uh, something that, you know, they never got full warning for. And, you know, if the NRL had told the players back in October of 2020, um, you know, during when the offseason started, let's, you know, we're going to crack down on head-high tackles. We don't want to see them anymore you could start to prepare your tackling technique um, so that you stop players from um, from hitting high, you know. Um, but, look, I, I actually want to sort of set the record straight, and I think Ed, Andrew Addo and both PV, PVL, uh, I think part of the reason why you see so much passion with them is because they are sort of being misquoted and they are sort of, um, you know, uh, there, there is a bit of a lie that's been happening, you know, and... Uh, and what I want to say is that look, last year they did actually uh, they did actually start to talk about concussion as a real thing. They've had a website um, and a free course that you could take on what the concussion protocols look like 
and what um you know for, for for people who are playing the junior grades you know how to actually uh you know look for signs for uh concussion so they've started this a long time ago um I'm going to take you back to three weeks ago because I tried to look for as many articles as I could find. But I, but three weeks ago, Graham Annesley said, and I quote, everyone needs to accept that contact with the head or neck is just no longer acceptable. And that was three weeks ago on, uh, and, and that article was still there uh, on, on that uh, website, uh, on the NRL web- website. And um, you know, this is part of his um, sort of um, weekly sort of um, – sort of address of what happened throughout the week. So in, in that message that happened three weeks ago, he said that the numbers were disturbing um, for the number of actual head high, um, you know, cases that are, th- uh, th- that are, that are going on. Um, basically, he, he then said, I quote, we've seen a significant rise this season in both charges by the match review committee and the number of weeks suspension. And this is really concerning, right? Um, so he cited some figures where, um, essentially, last year in 2020, there were a total of 166 charges. Um, but within the first, I think at that time it was seven rounds. You already seen 57, um, you know, out of there. So we're going to be well on track to absolutely uh, go above and beyond what it was last year. Then in 2020, um, you know, in terms of suspensions, a similar sort of thing. So um, you know, within the first seven rounds, you actually saw. 47, and last year there was 117. To give you an idea, in 2017 there was a total of 50. So you've almost reached, um, you've almost reached, you know, that sort of figure already. You know, so, so that's really, really concerning. One week ago, uh, you know, uh, he actually said that there was a clear mismatch in expectations in last round uh, with what the referees are doing and what the bunker is doing and what the review committee is doing. So he said that only a week ago. And then all of a sudden, when we hit this weekend, everybody is talking about how nobody saw this coming. But I think the fact is the NRL gave plenty of warning to the clubs that they are going to uh, go in with harsher penalties uh, for head concussion injuries. And, um, you know, this is the result of it. So uh, I think well done to the NRL to actually make make a stand. And um, look, it, it's not. I mean, at least they're starting now. Like, if they're going to wait till the end of this season to start addressing it, then you're just going to kick it down the road, and it, you're going to have more problems. The fact that they're starting now, there's going to be a few weeks of turmoil. But I feel like the correction from the players and the uh, you know the teams are going to take place, only because you know it's such a disadvantage to have 12 players on the field against 13. So I think that is going to at least uh, lower the numbers of actual, you know, intentional or I think they use the they use the word forceful, you know, forceful shot, shots at the head. So I think I think you're going to reduce the the number of, you know, head eye tackles, which has been a uh, penalty for so long. So look, I just wanted to set the record straight there a little bit, spotlight the fact that this is a something that the NRL hasn't just all of a sudden started doing on Magic Round. They've actually been trying to do this all season, but. The clubs were just not listening, and uh, and it looks like they're listening loud and clear now. Um, your thoughts on any of that, there, Doctor T? Yeah, look, um, look. As I mentioned earlier, I think that it's finally, uh, <laughs> finally, they they're cracking down. But as you said, 
it's not like as if this came out of nowhere. They've been talking about it for a while, and it's all been building because of all the 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 evidence that we've seen that you know that there's something that needs to be done about concussions. It's been talked about. It's been progressively getting uh, discussed at the highest levels. And, and yeah, it's, um, look, for whatever reason, why this wasn't considered uh, something that you could talk about at the beginning of the season, I don't know why it's it's kind of built up to the point, even when you mentioned, you know, three weeks ago there were these discussions and comments from Graham Annesley. Well, I mean, why wasn't this discussion before the season? <laughs> this is what I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm struggling with. Um, no one's saying, or certainly we're not saying, that what's happening isn't warranted and necessary. My question is the timing. Why now? Not and, round one, right? And not round one. And mm. and why, you know, there, I don't think there's any reason why all of a sudden we're starting to do it. The evidence was there before round one that this is something that we need to crack down on. So what, what I'm concerned about, and I think there's a couple of things that, that ca- comes out of this, uh, which we're not necessarily going to talk about, but... Um, one of the issues that comes out of this is that there's apparently there's some uh, media articles suggesting that the Rugby League Players Association has encouraged players to go public on social media with their, you know, expressing displeasure with what's happening and all that kind of stuff, which I think is, if that's the case, I think it's ridiculous. Um, I think, I still think the same sort of uh, customary rules should apply regarding uh you know how how players should interact with, in social media um, t- when talking about your administration, <laughs> the NRL administration, that kind of thing. So they need to be careful about that. But um, you know, I just sort of wonder whether uh, you know, this this kind of discussion, like I said, should have happened should have happened earlier. Um, why why didn't it? I'm not sure. I'm worried about the fact that the uh, that we we're, we're it's indicative of the NRL having a very reactive response, uh, reactive approach to dealing with issues. So, is it the case that you know the it's is it media driven? Um, you know these issues. Uh, is it is it that the topic of the day next week will be something else, and then a massive decision will be made and a massive change will be made without carefully considering implications? All that kind of thing. So, you know, we're going to talk about it at one point as well. The the rule changes. I, I go back to that as well. The rule changes to make the games faster have led to this as well, potentially, have led to an increase in injuries, an increase in concussions and all that kind of thing. And and is it the case that they the NRL rushed in to make a decision or a series of decisions without really thinking about the downstream effects or the unintended consequences? That's another word that you'll hear in this in this respect. And I think it's an apt word because or an apt phrase because it is all about it's all well and good to say, well, now we do this, now we do that to deal with the problem. But let's think carefully about what the side effects will be. Mm. What, what, and we don't do that. And I think this is unfortunately um, what what some people are getting at when they're criticising the NRL is that that they've just sort of had a knee jerk reaction and said that's it, we're going to crack down on this without really sort of building up to it or or getting everyone on board. And and you know it seems like they're just sort of surprise. 
you know, um, we're going to crack down on this. And, and I, again, I go back to why couldn't this happen in round one? There's no reason yeah. why. It wasn't a surprise that this is an issue. We knew this. We've known this for a while. So, look, I've, I know I've talked about a couple of things. It's about, you know, the NRL should have done this earlier, but also, you know, think about the unintended consequences of every change that you make. Because if you keep – it's a bit like the whack-a-mole game, you know, in the circus. If you – you know, the, the thing pops up, you whack it, and then another one pops up. If you keep doing that – as an organization, as a multi-billion dollar organization like the NRL is, if you keep doing that, you're you're going to end up, you know, just being frantic and not actually having an overarching, you know, proper view, a strategic view of how you need to do things. So that's what I would suggest. Um, look, that's my final thought on that. Tish, um, shall we move on? Yeah, let's move on. Let's move on. Okay. Uh, all right. Here we go with tackle number four, another spotlight, this time on the magic round. Here we go. All right. Magic round was a big success this year in Brisbane, and it is set to return in 2022. In Brisbane. So, Tish, um, <laughs> Tish, so look, do you want to um, give us the lowdown on this story? Yeah. And uh, we'll have a bit of discussion. Yeah, look, um, yeah, look, I'm pulling straight from the state statements.qld.gov.au. So, uh, it's already on the Premier's website, right? So, the NRL Magic Round will return to Brisbane again in 2022 in an agreed deal that is expected to pump more than $20 million into the economy economy um, with a call for negotiations of a new locking contract to get underway so um, not only do they want 2022 they want they want this to be a permanent fixture in Brisbane so uh, uh, you know Anastasia Palaszczuk has said look I'm urging the NRL to now go ahead uh, now to get the round table so we can draw up and sign off a long-term contract to ensure it continues to be staged here every year. Um, so, look, this action-packed three-day festival league has brought thousands and thousands of people to Brisbane and booked out hotel rooms right across the city. So, you know, over 125,000 tickets um, and nearly a quarter of those are from outside of Brisbane, uh, including 25,000 that were secured from people coming from New Zealand. So, look, wow. uh, it is obviously a huge success. And, yeah, that 25,000 from New Zealand is really significant considering the borders only opened up less than a month ago. Um, so, uh, yeah, so it's really quite exciting to see how much of a success it's had. My only problem is, um, you know, the concept of the Magic Round has been around in this English Super League for a long time now, and they don't take it to Heartland Rugby League places, but they take it to sort of the more areas that you want to expand and develop. Um, so I don't know if having it in Brisbane every year almost defeats the purpose. Um, it's a way to sneak in an extra home game for Brisbane um, because this game was considered an away game for the Brisbane Broncos, even though this stadium oh, is their home game. Oh, that is dodgy. It is. It is. It is. It's totally dodgy. And, uh, and, and yeah, so I, I don't um, – I think – yeah, I just think that, that, that uh, 
look, uh, look, it'd be great. Uh, I think next year in Suncorp will be great again. I think it's good to have it at the same video for a few years just to get it established. I think once you've got it established, I think you've got to look at, you know, a place like uh, Perth or a place like, I mean, Auckland. Um, like the New Zealand Warriors haven't played a home game um, <laughs> for like since 2019, right? So if you bought 2022 Magic Round to, to New Zealand, um, you're kind of making up for the fact that they've missed out on home games for the New Zealand Warriors by having a full round of rugby league in New Zealand. Um, so all the New Zealand fans not only can see the Warriors, but can see every other team in the NRL play. Yeah, something like that would be really, really good for the game. So I don't know if if just moving it to Queensland every year is the best, best solution. Um, Dr. T, your thoughts on uh, the Magic Round and uh, 2022 and beyond? Yeah, look, I look. I've had an interesting journey with this uh, particular topic because I think I started off thinking, you know, a, a long time ago, thinking I don't, I'm not a supporter of this because I don't know what's the point. Given, as you said, it started off in in the UK for a particular reason. It was also because they're kind of not very, uh, you know, they don't have anywhere near the level of support in in rugby league in their competition as what we do here. And so I thought, you know, there's no point us doing it here in Australia because we've already got a successful product. Um, then I turned around and, and now I realize obviously it is a potential, it's a new kind of product. You could sell it as a new kind of, well, potentially as an, as in, as a package kind of marquee event thing festival. Um, and and then and so now I'm definitely on board with the idea of a magic round. I like the fact that they started uh, doing it in Brisbane, uh, the logical place to do it. You know, not Sydney. Basically, <laughs> the logical not Sydney place would be in Brisbane, and it's a great stadium. It's a great atmosphere. It's it, you know, it's starting to get cold, so people are migrating up north towards uh, the the warmer climate anyway. So it makes sense that you know you do it in Brisbane. It's it's still it's not as cold as it is in Sydney or Melbourne at the moment. Um, I get that, totally get that, and but I also get what you're saying that it would be an opportunity for us to then expand or go to a, a potential expansion areas. And build a bit of a following there, right? Build a bit of interest uh, through a festival. You know, wouldn't it be awesome if this was done in Perth, knowing that this could herald, it get some interest going and herald a potential Perth team in the NRL in future. This is the kind of thing that I think the Magic Round uh, could be used for. Um, now, here's the other thing where I'm I'm going to – so you normally you think, well, that's an interesting journey. You didn't support it initially and now you do. And, and now not only that, but you think it should be used for expansion uh, sort of areas. Fantastic. But, I'm, I'm, Tish, I'm going to go one step further. I think now, given what the Premier of Queensland has stated, the, the evidence is there that obviously it is a massive boost – to um, the the economy over there in Brisbane, and given that we've also got the COVID situation isn't over, we've all all been encouraged. You've seen those commercials. We've been encouraged to sort of travel locally. Um, you know, given that we can't really travel internationally as we used to while this pandemic is still going on, 
let's we've been encouraged to travel locally different regions across australia explore australia all that kind of thing and i get that so here is my suggestion tish why don't we have more than one magic round why don't we have potentially a series of magic rounds maybe Mm. three magic rounds three different locations wow you boost the economy in three areas not just one you could turn it into a series or, or a, you know, magic, the first magic round. If you, if you time it right, you know, you could do uh, the first one could be, you know, when, when the season is in the warmer climates, you could do that in a colder area. You could do the winter one could be, you know, in the warmer climate area like Brisbane or Townsville or something. Uh, and then the final one, uh, we could do one as a last round magic round Yeah. to finish off the season. You know, like you could do lots of things. You could do a magic round to kick off the season, one to finish the season, and one in the middle somewhere. You know, why not? Why not three? Um, the point is more than one because here is the thing. I get, you know, you can only have one Anzac test. You can only really have one All-Stars match as a marquee event. What's stopping us having more than one magic round? It's a great idea. Um, I think, I believe one of the players, I think um, uh, one of the NRL players said, you know, wish we could do this more often. You know, why not do lots of rounds like this? Well, yeah, maybe not lots, but, you know, maybe just stick with two or three. Why not do that? Let's see. Um, let's see what kind of boost it, it, it has for those economies of, of those cities. So, yeah. Tish, what do you? Th- that's my thought. That's where I'm at at the moment. I'm thinking not only was it a success, it's a logical business decision to do it more often, and yeah. uh, people love it. It gives everyone a chance, everyone in Australia, to go to multiple. You know, if you don't want to go to Brisbane for a weekend, well, I reckon a lot of people will want to go to Melbourne for a weekend. So yeah. why not? Why not do that? Why not organise a Perth one? You know, like there's there's definitely um, you know. The tourism industry should really look into this and push for this to be multi times a year. Um, what are your thoughts? Well, uh, you know, on, on the first, I, I was thinking, well, you're getting rid of the magic of magic round, like the <laughs> uniqueness of it, right? But then, but then, you know, but then you 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 kind of think, well, you know, like uh, why why not offer all the teams double competition points? For magic round victories, okay. Now I know that sounds super crazy. Oh, right? that's a bit interesting. Yeah, uh, but what it means is that you're going to have these uh, rounds worth double points that are in these magic weekends. So the teams show up ready to play, ready to fire up. You've got these three ones, and you know you could even uh, you know you could even have a cup where the you know the the best aggregate score, um, you know, out of all the teams, you know, like so so for example. You know, like say, say the Bulldogs, they, you know, they're only like, you know, they only lost by two here and win the next one by 10 and the next one by 15. They might be the aggregate champions of 25 on for and against. They become the magic round, uh, you know, the magic round champions. Uh, you know, the, uh, the mm. Stick Feed and Roy Award or something like that, you know, <laughs> uh, named after some sort of famous magician, you know, the, uh, the Houdinis or something. I don't know. But like, um, you know, name aside, but but you can really uh, have a competition within a co- competition, and I think yeah. uh, 
and and I think that kind of um, the, you know, it's kind of what happens in 2021 in reality TV. Uh, you know, if you look at a show like MasterChef, for example, right? Like every week there are like two people eliminated, but then there's certain sort of uh, you know, this is a magic week, or this is uh, well, not magic week. This is like Masters week, or this is like you know team elimination week or you know this is our you know our war on cinnamon uh week or something like that do you know what i mean so so like uh there are little competitions within competitions and that's what actually keeps the competition exciting throughout uh the entirety of the season and we have these lull periods in the season so i think you could boost them a little bit with magic round like for example i feel like uh Rugby League was getting a little tired and then all of a sudden you had Magic Round and obviously all the controversies with the referees also played a part. But, you know, it's kind of interesting to see, you know, is the ground going to hold up, you know? Like, uh, you know, uh, towards the end, I don't know if you saw the Panthers game, there's like patches everywhere at, you know, at Suncorp. So, um, you know, and people are thinking, okay, we've got Origin coming up in a few weeks here as well. So what's going to happen to all the grass? But, you know, it's kind of exciting seeing everybody in the same conditions, you know, same venues, you kind of, you know, so I think uh, it's good. And then you also had this other situation, which I think is really awesome, which you had NRL players go to, you know, go to local schools, local clubs in the area, um, which really boosts the junior participation. So, yeah, I think a three, I think a three, uh, you know, three rounds a year, double points, um you know, put put a little trophy on at the end of it as well. Uh, I think all of that stuff could could really. Um, I think I, I think we could we should try to explore uh, all these things, and um, you know, I, th- I think you could do really well. And yeah, you could have one, as you said, one one in Brisbane, one in perhaps Melbourne. Um, but yeah, you're looking for expansion areas, like you're looking for areas where you're you know, considering to put the next team in, you know. We've already kind of earmarked where the 17th team is going to be. Um, but I think I think we need to sort of experiment where the 18th team interest could be, you know. Yeah, and look, I think... Um, look, I think one of the issues is, you know, if... It, what, what role do all these different expansion areas play? Like, not all... I think, you know you wouldn't really argue that Adelaide is ready for an NRL team, Mm. but are they ready for a possible one round festival of rugby league that will spark interest? Yes, totally ready. They've got a state of the art stadium that we could try and, you know, Mm. hook into and, and, and use. And, and I think that's, It'd be silly not to do that. You'd be silly not to do that. So I think, yeah. Um, yeah. And and I guess the other thing you talked about, which I'm not quite sold on the idea of um, the <laughs> the point. kind of the for and against or whatever and the competition within a competition, because the danger here, as I see, if you make it too much about the actual game itself, you miss the other part, which is important, which is it's the festival part that's important. It's about bringing interest in. It's about entertainment. Um, and so actually I think, you know, if you could find a way to encourage teams to actually not take it 
not take the game so seriously that they don't ever do media, uh, you know, or yeah. or uh, or don't do promotion. You know, like maybe there's an opportunity to say, you know, maybe there could be like mini mini awards or things to clubs that gain the most new members mm. out of out of that 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 um, magic round. Now, again, is it should it be called magic round or not? I don't really care. Let's change it to something else. Um, there's a danger as well that the magic part of it forces you to think. Well, let's let's find a gimmick that we could put into the game, you know, I don't know, like what, what magic are you going to put into the game that uh, are you going to put a gimmick that will be different? You know, a win gets you two, four points rather than two, you know, that kind of thing. I'm not sure that that's the right idea. I think we need to think carefully about what is the magic. The magic is probably really should be about the game the games and the the promotion of it. So I think what we could do is, you know, the magic part of it is not necessarily the game itself. It is the fact that you can go and watch those games. It's a carnival atmosphere. And you also do things like, you know, how about you do like games or, or events like out of the players that are, since they're all there, let's find out who's the fastest player in rugby league. Yeah, I like it. You know, Pappenheisen versus Addo Carr, you know, that kind mm. of thing. Um, why not do something like that? Why not do, you know, something else that's not going to cause an injury? <laughs> you know, mm. like <laughs> how many players can Josh Papali carry on his back? You know, that kind of thing, mm. you know. Uh, Mascots, whatever. Like, competition. <laughs> that's right. You know, who knows? So what I'm saying is make it a true carnival atmosphere where the focus is not necessarily on you know it's already important enough that they're, they're going to already care about the, the whether they win or not um you know a two points is two points which, whichever weekend it is but what if you focus instead on the the bigger picture the bigger picture here is it is about getting uh and it's not about servicing the tourism industry it is about taking advantage of that and the fact that people are itching to go on these uh, – itching for a reason to go on holiday in Australia, put it that way. And and I think a reason could be, you know, a festival of football weekend. That would be great for a lot of people. But what about those who are locals? So, yeah, you could get travellers going to Adelaide, experiencing Adelaide, learning about Adelaide. You know, look – the more you have these kind of events, the more you might get business people going, hey, you know what? Adelaide's got some potential here. All of a sudden, there's knocking on doors, there's investments happening, and then all of a sudden, we're seeing sponsors lining up to push for an Adelaide team in five, ten years. You know, this is the kind of thing that we really need to push for. It's a good idea. Let's do it. So, um, yeah, that's my final word on it. Shall we move on to the fifth tackle? Yeah, let's move on. All right, so here we go with the fifth tackle. It's not quite football. All right, it's not quite football. This is about Ricky Stewart versus Netball. Tish, what has Ricky Stewart gotten into this week? Or gotten up to this week? Yeah, that's right. Well, look, we remember that show, Everybody Loves Raymond, but it feels like everybody (laughs) hates 
Ricky Stewart. So um, Australian <laughs> Diamonds legend uh, Liz Ellis uh, has called the NRL coach Ricky Stewart and Daily Telegraph commas Paul Kent. Uh, you know, she's called them pathetic and to admit that they are wrong, um, you know, because they went over the line. So, look, uh, you know, Ricky, uh, you know, uh, basically in a press conference a few weeks ago um, said that, you know, uh, he basically said, look, if I can't have tough conversations with my better players, I might as well be coaching netball. To which, uh, you know, Liz Ellis, who's a former uh, Australian Diamonds legend, other netball coaches, other people involved in netball were absolutely outraged by this statement that, uh, you know, implying that tough conversations don't happen in netball, um, you know, and it's not a tough sport. And then, look, to top it all off, he later issued an apology of of sorts over the implication that the female-dominated netball was a soft sport, Um, though when he was delivering the apology, he was smirking and laughing. So these subtle barbs at the the netball was not missed by anybody, teams, fans, you know, Ellis, along with many Nepal identities, immediately started sharing their disappointments on social media. Uh, it's absolutely erupted, um, you know, and, and Ricky Stewart, you know, he's finding himself on the uh, firing line here. Um, you know, basically Liz Ellis's comments were, look, firstly, I don't think it was a proper apology that he made. Secondly, I don't, I, I, secondly, I didn't want an apology. All I wanted was for him to come out and say, you know what? I reflected, poor choice of words, I won't do it again. He doesn't have to apologize. He just needs to acknowledge that he got it wrong. Um, so that's Liz Ellis. Uh, now, earlier in the year, he did actually have some issues with uh, Kirsten Tarpanay, which is the wife of Justin Tarpanay. We hear that players are also very unhappy at Canberra. Um, you know, uh, he's dropping players. Um, players have phantom injuries um, to hide the fact that they've been dropped. Um, everybody just seems to hate their Ricky... Uh, Dr. T, I know that you are a, uh, a bit of an expert when it comes to uh, building relationships and having strong friendships. You know, what sort of advice, Chad, will you give Ricky to try and help him out just to, uh, you know, uh, stop everybody just, you know, from hating him all the time? Tish, I think he needs to do the honourable thing and he needs to quit and <laughs> and go coach netball. Um, I think... <laughs> He said it himself. He may as well coach netball. Well, you know what? Why don't you do that? Maybe you should do that as part yeah. of his community service. Um, <laughs> yeah. And and forego a salary. How about that? Look, I look. This is this is an example of. Well, first of all, I, it's a bit it's a bit strange to hear from the, on the other side, Liz Ellis, saying uh, he doesn't need to apologise. He just needs to admit that he got it wrong. <laughs> yeah, no. What 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 is that? What did he get wrong? He was he gave an opinion. You can't get an opinion wrong. It's his opinion. So I think I think the issue is his opinion is not is not uh, well well agreed to and uh, and popular. And so I think I think that's the thing that I think what what she really should have said was, you know, he should apologise because it just perpetuates this this uh, this thing that you know netball is a is a soft sport and, and, and it's not just a netball thing, but I guess it's, you know, think about what other sports he could have thrown in there as an example. 
um, a, real sports as opposed to, you know, he could have said, and this is a saying that a lot of, uh, Oz, you know, it, it certainly I've heard in Australia, don't know if this is at all used around the world, but, you know, he could have said something like, if I can't have tough conversations with my better players, I might as well coach tiddlywinks or something like that. <laughs> you know, you've, I've heard these kind of yeah. these kind of phrases like that. Look, why he chose to say netball is beyond me. Uh, it, it obviously was going to cause issues and a bit of a stir um, and, and irritate, uh, you know, female sporting players, and it certainly did. So, look, what other sports could he have chosen? Well, what else is he going to choose? I mean, again, it's it's part of the issue here is maybe netball is, has a perception problem. It's seen as softer than, say, female basketball, potentially. Um, maybe that's the case. He certainly it wouldn't have made sense if he had said, I may as well coach female basketball. Or, or he didn't even say female. He just said netball. So, again, it's the perception that... It is a game associated more with females. So really the issue is he is equating softness with femaleness. So really that's what the apology should be for, is that he should stop perpetuating these kind of stereotypes. Very simple. So by making it more confusing, you've uh, people have asked him, don't apologise, just admit that you got it wrong. No, it's an opinion. <laughs> you can't get an opinion wrong. It's his opinion. So... Let's let's cut to the chase. Look, let's just stop this kind of garbage where where people are thinking that you know a particular sport is tougher than another sport. That's another thing that 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 this is uh, that underlying this uh, this kind of commentary. Um, and I guess that's the thing. He's equating toughness with playing and coaching rugby league. Well, I'll tell you what. Um, He's having a tough time at the moment, Ricky, dealing with his players and, and not really – he's losing the dressing room a little bit. So, you know, maybe he could learn a thing or two from other sports where they actually have better team camaraderie and better respect for their coaches. Um, the, you know, maybe that's the issue. Tish, I don't know. I think um, possibly this has blown a little bit out of proportion and and hopefully we can get back to um, – uh, hating Ricky Stewart next week. <laughs> what about you? <laughs> Any final words, Tish? Well, I would actually love to see Ricky Stewart coach Nepal. Um, <laughs> you know, for, 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 for once that and once that only, right? Like, uh, we complain about the number of penalties given away in an NRL game because um, it's usually around, like, you know, a bad week would probably be around, well, 20 penalties. Yeah, You can see Ricky Stewart being fumed, right? So in the Super Netball, uh, the average number of penalties per game, which goes for, I think it's about 60 minutes, is 128. <laughs> right? Because if you ever seen a game of Netball, there is like fouls where people get touched and things. And it is quite brutal what happens to players on the field. Uh, you know, ripped jerseys and the whole thing. So imagine, imagine a press conference after Rick. Ricky Stewart's coached a game of netball that had 128 penalties. That would be outstanding, <laughs> right? So, wow, that would be. I mean, he would he would have he would have to he would have to be funded by Jeff Bezos <laughs> or Elon Musk to pay for the number of fines that he would get 
for bringing the game into disrepute, that would be amazing. Yeah, yeah, but look, I, I think I think there is kind of an underlying problem, which is which is as you kind of um, sort of alluded to, there is like this softness, uh, you know, you know this this thing, this macho thing where rugby league is this tough, hard sport, and all other sports are a bit soft and things like that, and mm. you know, and, and you know, and he quite simple to that, which I think is quite a tough game, but if he's also you know implying because it's more of a female oriented sport. You got to remember, you know, women's rugby league is um, a, a very important for the NRL in the future as well. So I really think that, you know, some of these attitudes, you know, there's an underlying attitude there that probably needs to be fixed up a bit. I think this kind of goes back to players reacting, uh, you know, angrily towards the NRL or in concussion because you're less of a man if you, uh, you know, uh, don't head high people, <laughs> like, or, or you go down to head high. Like I think. I think there are just some of these sort of weird type of attitudes that kind of uh, we probably need to stamp out, and there is probably an underlying thing there. But uh, yeah, for the moment, I think I think Ricky is probably best served by um, taking a leaf out of uh, Wayne Bennett's book and saying absolutely nothing. <laughs> I think that can help him a lot at the moment. So yeah. All right, let's move on to Fair our on. final tackle which is our tips here we go all right our tips for round 11 coming up but first uh last week we got we both got seven out of eight Pretty good, uh, which takes my tally to 54 and yours to 46 for the year. Um, let's get into our tips for round 11. Uh, so here we go. Uh, the Cowboys versus the Knights. Now, oh, this is going to be a tough one because I think the Cowboys did pretty good against the Roosters for a while there, but I reckon the Knights will win this one. Look, I'm going to take. I'm going to go for the Cowboys at home. Against the Knights, which, uh, yeah, I just not having a good time of it at the moment, the Knights. The Warriors and the Tigers, um, this will be, I think, a little bit closer than people might realise. I'm tipping the Warriors. Well, look, I'm going to tip the Tigers. Um, Michael Maguire has finally named the same team twice in a row. So uh, <laughs> things are looking exciting. So, yeah. Sharks v Dragons, so the local derby down there. Um, I think the Dragons will bounce back. Yeah, look, I yeah, I'm going to tip the Dragons as well. Um, not like, Sharks are not winning ever since they've uh, changed coaches. Interesting. Uh, not surprised there one bit. Titans versus Bulldogs. Um, I think the Titans are, are going to be too strong for the Bulldogs. Yeah, I think so too. Let's uh, tip the Titans. Roosters v Broncos, uh, same thing. I know the Roosters are, are a bit of a shadow of what they were a couple of years ago, but I think they still will have a very, very strong match against the Broncos. Yeah. Well, Adam Reynolds is signed for next year, not this year. So I think the <laughs> Roosters are going to win. But interesting, Sam Walker was, uh, you know, rejected by the Broncos um, because, you know, he was too small to play and now he's going to probably annihilate them. <laughs> All right. Um, Raiders versus Storm. Um, I'm tipping an upset. The Ooh. biggest, I think Ricky is fired up about this netball thing. <laughs> and I, I think the Raiders, 
I think the Raiders will win against the Storm. I can't believe I'm saying that, but yep. There's no reason for it, mind you. It's just I think Ricky's – whenever Ricky's in the news, I think he fights back with there's a, a good performance coming up. Yeah. Well, look, um, you know, I think the standard of refereeing has gone down ever since Cameron Smith has retired. Uh, but he's back in the fold for the Melbourne Storm, so I think the Storm are going to win. All right. Rabbitohs v. Panthers. Um, look, Panthers undefeated. Rabbitohs just got flogged last week. <laughs> it's hard to tell, but uh, look, this is a chance for the Rabbitohs to remind everyone of their premiership credentials and they've got to put it all together. I don't know what this news about Reynolds is, what impact that's going to have, but I still think the Panthers will win. Uh, but I think it'll be close. Yeah, look, I'm going to tip uh, the Rabbitohs in an upset here, wow. uh, which is pretty pretty crazy for me. Latrell Mitchell is back. The Adam Reynolds saga has ended, so they know where everybody is at. They know it's his last year in the season. They want to send him off as a champion. So I think, I think if anything, all the distractions are over at South Sydney and everybody can concentrate on winning, which is what they do really well. So I think the Rabbitohs can, can do it this weekend. All right, and finally, the Eels and the Sea Eagles. This will be a pretty good one and a real test, I think, for the Eels because I think the Sea Eagles have been doing really well. I think Tommy Turbo is there which, um, you know, usually implies that Manly is going to win, but I think the Eels will be too strong. Yeah, look, I'm going to tip the Eels because I, I believe the Eels are, are better than what they were last year, and this is a game that they typically would lose, like something they're expected to win um, with a team that's fairly good. Um, but I think the Eels have a bit more of a, you know, a strength in, this, in them this year, which, I, which, which makes them a contender. So I think the Eels can, can take it out here. All right, and that completes our tips and our podcast, our 199th podcast of the Rugby League Republic. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening. Tish, uh, as usual, thank you for your wonderful insights and uh, look forward to next week, the Big 200. We've got a big one ready for everyone. Um, And, yeah, look – like usual, don't forget to check us out on rrepublic.com and uh, the usual sort of social media as well. And you can download our podcast on iTunes as well. Over to you, Tish, to sign us off. Well, thank you, Dr. T. And look, that's all for this episode of the Rugby League Republic. We're your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. Join us next time on the Rugby League Republic. Bye for now. <laughs>